Did you know that every time you listen to an ad on this podcast, you help cover the cost of producing Find Your Food Voice? Thank you to our sponsor, Equilibria Daily Women's Microbiome Defense. Because of them, my team and I can continue our independent podcast. Equilibria is a women-owned wellness brand with unique science-backed products that help bring your mind and back my mind and body back into harmony. EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense is a three-in-one capsule that supports your digestive health and promotes gut barrier protection. It also promotes optimal vaginal pH. These probiotics were chosen because they are studied for women's health. And I love that you can subscribe. So if you find that Equilibria's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense helps you, you can subscribe so you don't have to think twice about running out and also save 25% off. I just started taking the Equilibria Daily Women's Microbiome Defense after a trip overseas that made my GI tract kind of funky. I am hoping that it helps make things just a little bit easier, easing back in. And also as a woman, as a woman in midlife, I'm always looking for ways to help with vaginal pH. If you are not in midlife yet, just be aware. It's a thing that is around the corner for you. So head to myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and much more. That's myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. All right, let's get back to the show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Say goodbye to the food police and hello to peace. Welcome to the Love Food Podcast, hosted by award-winning dietitian and food behavior expert, Julie Duffy Dillon. This authentically engineered series is in the form of a love letter, welcoming you to reconnect with food. Now pour a cup of coffee or a margarita and let's begin. there. Welcome to episode 13 of the Love Food Podcast. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, registered dietitian and food peace promoter. I am so glad you're here. Thank you for connecting today. And I'm really excited for you to hear today's show. It's um, a letter today from someone who's experiencing a binge type of cycle with food and the way her brain is wired currently is always thinking about food, um, preparing food, binging on food. And um, I tell you what, this is a really, really common experience experience with food. And it also is something that is tremendously draining and exhausting. And I feel like it also is something that a lot of people sit in shame with. And I think uh, the reason why is uh, in our culture, a lot of times people assume that when people are experiencing this type of binge type cycle, that the best thing for them to do is just to lose weight and are usually just put on a diet, which as you probably know or have experienced, if you haven't already, um, that's basically going to make the the cycle worse. So this letter writer is um, really craving more out of life. And when a person is thinking about food all the time, it's really hard to have space for 
relationships and, um, you know, really getting to know yourself. So, you know, how is someone supposed to make those next steps? I think that's a really important question. So before we get to the letter, um, today's episode is brought to you by Birdhouse Nutrition Therapy, Greensboro's premier eating disorder resource for recovery for individuals, groups, and families. And we promise at Birdhouse Nutrition Therapy that we will always be a place that is safe from diet culture and the toxic parts that come with it. So one thing I also want to say before we hear the letter for today is I just want to say thank you so much for the letters. You know, when I first uh, put this show together uh, many months ago, I wasn't sure if I was ever going to get any letters. And um, I was wondering if um, I would have any content for the show, but something kind of just made me say, let's just do it and we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. And I am just so honored to be trusted with this um, really emotional kind of experience. And, you know, something that I appreciate from working with eating disorders is that there's there's just a tremendous amount of shame in the experience because it can feel so isolating. And the fact that there are people who have been writing letters to food who have never shared this with anyone is just... um, I just feel so privileged and honored, but I also think it's important for anyone who's written a letter or who's thinking about writing a letter or has written one and just kept it for themselves. Just that, that process takes so much bravery and I commend you for it. And, um, I think that's one of the most important first steps in healing a relationship with food is to, um, be able to reach out, whether it's virtual, virtually or in a therapist's office or with a dietitian, or even in your journal. I think all of those things take a tremendous amount of bravery. So, um, wow. I'm always just moved and I feel chills every time I read a letter. So thank you so much for, for moving me and connecting with me. So let's get to the letter and I hope you enjoy the show and find some healing in the words. Dear Food, My love-hate relationship with you is hogging all of my time and prohibiting me from experiencing other meaningful relationships. I am fat because I overeat. I overeat because I'm alone. I am alone because I am fat. I am totally trapped in this cycle, and it seems there is no way out. Food, I know what you're thinking. How could I possibly be to blame for your loneliness? Fat people enter healthy relationships every day. But food, I spend so much time and energy thinking about you, planning for you, shopping for you, preparing you, and eating you. I feel I am left without any space to do anything else, including date, or develop the confidence and self-love I will need in order to open myself to the possibility of dating and relationships. I am in my mid-twenties, and I am so ashamed that I have never been in a relationship. I do not feel I can share my body with another person in the state it is currently. What I want most in life is a family, and what I fear most is that I will never have one because I am too afraid to even begin dating. So food. Instead, Instead, I stay at home with you. 
I allow you to be my comfort, my partner, my love, and my friend. I continue to gain weight and remain socially isolated. Food, how do I fall out of love with you, in love with myself, and open to the love someone else could feel for me? Sincerely, Trapped in the Cycle. Hey there, Trapped in the Cycle. Thank you so much for your letter. I really appreciate hearing your experiences and boy, am I just so glad you wrote because you do sound exhausted and your way of relating to food is, it's, it's tragic in a sense because food is one of the basic needs as humans that we need to stay alive. And the way our body is designed is to only think about food when we're hungry and if we're not getting enough of it. So, you know, the way our brains are intended to be wired to be thinking about food is just every so often throughout the day, much like how we think about other processes like uh, going to the bathroom. You know, we only think about it when we need it. And if we thought about how often we had to pee and and all the rules that we had with it, you know, that'd be ridiculous, wouldn't it? Um, but somehow your way of relating to food is not ridiculous because it is such a common experience. So as um, we go through some solutions for you to experiment with, I hope you can keep in mind that you certainly are not alone. This way you're describing food and thinking about it all the time and it keeping you kind of stuck on that hamster wheel, um, even though you just so much want to get, just get away from this kind of experience. Um, as exhausting as that all is for you, letter writer, please know that you are not alone. And because you're not alone, this way of, of experiencing food has been researched tremendously. And we do have some solutions, but in order for the solutions to be successful for you, there's some necessary key ingredients. The first and the most important is that we need you to be very kind to yourself. I have a feeling, um, just because I've worked with lots of people who are experiencing this kind of uh, way of relating to food, and they've told me about their the way that their brain talks to them is just so like so mean. It's the biggest bully to them. So I have a feeling that's the way your brain is talking to you as well. So being kind and patient and compassionate with yourself may feel weird. It may feel not warranted, but it's a necessary ingredient for you to move forward. So as we talk about these steps, keep that in mind that it's implied that every time that you do this work, that it's going to be really important for you to use a very kind and calm adult voice with yourself of um, really just being compassionate and understanding. The other ingredient that you need is the permission to make mistakes. Those who've uh, healed their relationship with food, they will tell you that what they notice is that they've been able to make mistakes and then learn from them. And and in actuality, for me, when I work with clients, I basically need them to make mistakes in order for us to figure out ways for them to move forward. If they just did all of the um, experiments and the activities perfectly, um, we would never know what they needed. And, and actually, no one ever does it perfectly. You may have heard before that recovering from an eating disorder 
is a as a marathon, not a sprint. And we that is legit. You know, it's something that takes uh, many years to recover from. So as we move forward and I give you some solutions, I really need you to be kind with yourself and also give yourself permission to make to make mistakes in order for you to learn what you need to do to move forward. So what it sounds like to me, um, letter writer, is that your brain has gotten used to um, a couple behaviors. It's gotten used to the binged cycle that you're experiencing. And so when that happens, our our physiology gets used to it as well. So we have circadian rhythms that a lot of us think of when it comes to sleep. So um, an example of a circadian rhythm with sleep I always think about is when the summer would be ending and school would be starting again when I was little. And, you know, in the summertime, I was allowed to stay up later and I could sleep in. But the first week back at school was always kind of weird because I wasn't tired at night, but I had to go to bed early because I had to get up earlier. But I would just lay in bed because my body wasn't used to going to bed yet. And then when I would get up in the morning, oh my gosh, I was exhausted and so sleepy. And it took about a week or so for my circadian rhythms to get used to going to bed earlier and getting up earlier. And in the meantime, it feel I felt, ugh, it didn't feel good. And our eating and our hormones associated with cravings to eat and thoughts about food, they have a similar kind of process. Uh, they also have circadian rhythms. And so if your body's used to binging at certain times of the day, um, it's going to get used to that. Um, So keep that in mind as you kind of move forward is that's part of the patience required. You know, you need to help your body's physiology get used to eating differently. And it does take a lot of kindness in order to do that. Another part is that our bodies, if we're used to thinking about food because of constant dieting and wanting to change our body, um, our body, our brain starts to get wired in thinking about food more often. And what you can do, letter writer, is you can rewire your brain to think about food as often as is typical. So a typical eating experience or what we would say with quote unquote normal eating is to think about food as hunger starts to come to the surface and be experienced and also to think about food when we're doing food prep or grocery shopping. But outside of that, there wouldn't be thoughts about food. And in order for someone to not think about food very often or just in a normal way, there needs to be no threat of deprivation. So letter writer, you don't mention anything about dieting or the pursuit of weight loss. And so I'm hopeful that you're not experiencing that. Yes, yet I'm also realistic in that we live in a world where that's really normal. So if you are in this place of wanting to pursue weight loss and wanting to change your weight, I have a number of podcasts previously where we talk about how that disrupts the healing process with um, relating to food. So I would strongly encourage you to minimize that experience. So if you picture our computers, when we have a bunch of different screens up because we're multitasking, if you could just push the minimize button for the pursuit of weight loss, you know, put that on the back burner for right now and um, focus on healing your relationship with food. And by stepping away from the pursuit of weight loss and diets associated with it, 
it will help your body not experience that threat of deprivation, which will just further enhance your brain's obsession with food. Okay, so once you have stepped away from dieting, and as I say that, I, I make it sound like it's a, you know, something that just happens in about 30 seconds. When I work with clients, this can take three to six months, just that process of stepping back from dieting and giving yourself permission. So with all these suggestions, letter writer, I hope that you can also give yourself permission to work with a dietitian and therapist who are skilled in these areas. You may find them to help um, be a catalyst for you and your healing process. But as you do back away from dieting, there's a really great tool for you to use and experiment with. And it's, it, it's helping you to rewire your brain. So our brain, if you can picture it, has many different complex uh, road systems. And if you've ever gone to a really big city, I think of like Los Angeles um, in, and their big highway systems, and they have, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten lanes and just one um, highway going in one direction. Our brain can have pathways that look similar to that. And then we also have these smaller kind of rural roads that are not traveled very often. And, you know, the way that you're relating to food and having thoughts about food is kind of like the Los Angeles highway system. Yet, if you look over to the side in your brain, you may see um, some dirt paths. Those are the paths we want to explore. You know, we want to help train your brain to eventually clear those dirt paths into major highway systems and to re rewire how um, a thought or experience that may feel uncomfortable goes connects right to food. We want to basically get out a machete and clear a path to have an uncomfortable emotion or experience and instead give your body what it needs and to just have pathways to thinking about food connected to hunger. Um, and, you know, it is normal to have emotional um, eating experiences that is a part of normal eating. So I'm not wanting to get rid of that completely because I think that would make you a robot and, you know, I like you as a human. <laughs> so but I do want you to experiment eventually with having ways of relating to food that are more what you're desiring. So then you can experience relationships, like you'll have open spaces in your day to be able to experience all these things you desire. So how do you do that? You know, how do you rewire your brain? Um, I do have a blog post on how to do this process, but I'm going to explain a little bit about it. But if you want to go deeper in it, um, I will put it in the show notes for you. Um, and it's on my blog. But basically what you want to do is consider the typical time that you wake up in the morning. And if you typically wake up at 7 a.m., what I would want you to do is on your phone, put an alarm to go off every two to three hours. And you may have to adjust it every two to three, you know, based on what you're doing throughout the day. Definitely make it no more than three and a half hours. Because if you go to four hours, that starts to lead to cravings and um, lower blood sugar levels that will further set someone up to have the binge experience. So we really want to have it every two to three hours. And what I want you to put on your phone with that alarm going off is what do I need right now? There may be a way for you also to 
to write this kind of question in a way that's super kind and compassionate, but I want you to get used to a voice that is going to be like that with these check-in times. These check-in times, basically what they're serving to do is a starting point for you to make some new roads, some new paths, and then roads, and then highways to thinking about food in the way you're desiring. And by checking in and asking what you need, what that basically is, is just a chance for you to acknowledge, um, do I need to do anything right now? Do I need, am I cold? Am I hot? What am I feeling? Am I hungry? Do I need to go pee? You know, we kind of can even call this like a barometer check. You know, what, what is going on in my body? And this serves many different purposes. One of them is just to stop and give yourself a moment to check in to see if you are hungry. You may not experience or have words or connections to hunger at this point, and that's okay. Um, but it just gets your brain and your body used to that connection. It also is a great tool because it connects to mindful types of strategies and uh, and serves to further enhance like an attunement to your body, which is a really important part of this process for anyone healing the relationship with food is reconnecting to your body with kindness and compassion and patience. And also it's it's serving a place, it's, it's giving you a place to enhance the circadian rhythm changes that you're wanting to, to um, see in your life. So instead of having that hunger related to um, the need to binge because the body's just so used to it, having these check-in times can allow you the chance to even just have like a little nibble of food and what happens with clients who are using this, these tools is that eventually the nibble becomes a snack and then the snack becomes a meal. And then eventually there's more eating times. And then eventually the binges do start to go down. But as you can appreciate, the binges don't go away by eating more earlier right away. The binges go away only after the body feels a security with consistent food and the threat of deprivation is no longer as um, much of an alarm to your body system. So a lot of times when my clients and I talk about this barometer check, they say, well, what about when I want to binge? And what I encourage you to do is to try to wait until the check-in times. And this is where the compassion and the patience comes in too, because I fully appreciate that that's not always possible, especially in the beginning. And um, so give yourself permission, like I said, to also not be able to do that. It's really a practice more than absolute. So as you do ask yourself during a binge, or, um, you know, can I wait until the next check-in time? If you are able to wait till the next check-in time, then give yourself permission to binge if that's still something that you're craving. So then eventually the binging will be on more of a cycle. And what's really cool is that science has been able to show is the more often um, someone is able to delay a binge type behavior, eventually the craving does start to go down and you will start to see change. So this process can be quite complicated and, um, you know, talking about it through this podcast right now, you may find that you want an adjunct to it. And like I said, working with a skilled eating disorder dietitian and um, also a counselor can serve to be a catalyst for you in this process. And I highly encourage it. Um, 
I have a link in my show notes to finding an eating disorder dietitian near you. And there's also a fabulous book that I'm going to add to the feed, Food Peace Syllabus. If you're new to the podcast, the Food Peace Syllabus is a, a list of resources that you can use to further enhance your um, eating disorder recovery or helping to heal your relationship with food, whether or not you experience an eating disorder. So one that I'm going to add to this Food Peace Syllabus is um, a book called Overcoming Binge Eating. And it's by Christopher Fairburn. Christopher Fairburn is someone who uses cognitive behavioral therapy to help people heal their relationship with food. In particular, his research is um, with the binge behavior. And his book is really cool because it has two sections. The first section is all of his research. And if you are someone that thrives in seeing the research behind um, a process to help make your change happen, you will love this book. And if you're someone who doesn't care for the details of research, that's okay because his second section is more of a self-help type of section. And I love it because it goes through how to rewire your brain and how I just described. And so you may find this to be extremely helpful. And when I work with clients who are um, experiencing the binge uh, behavior. Oftentimes we just read this book together and have kind of a book club. So I would encourage you to experiment with that. And letter writer, you mentioned something else that I think is really important to, to note is, you know, you're craving for relationships and a family. And I, I crave that for you as well. So what you may notice as you move forward with rewiring your brain is that there's all this empty space and that empty space may feel scary, terrifying, and I could appreciate why. You know, this this way of relating to food has kept you from some really important parts of yourself. And before even exploring dating in a relationship, what you may find helpful is really getting to know yourself, getting to know what you need, what you like, what what you would like to experience with another person. And before you can be in a place where dating will feel safe and exciting, you may find that doing this work will be a way to really help you make that transition. And I find working with a therapist is one of the best investments we can, we can make. I think everyone at some point in their life should go through um, a year of like personal psychotherapy even without anything kind of happening that puts them in a crisis, I think that's just a great gift to give yourself of a year of study on on yourself. So I would encourage you, letter writer, to also take those steps. And then you can marry your new rate, way of relating to food with this space of self-compassion and patience and knowing more about yourself. So then you can take the next step forward to starting your life with someone and possibly a family. So thank you so much for your letter. It means a lot to hear your experiences and to hear your trust in me and in food. And I see food has written you back. So, you know, I, I look forward to hearing more about your experiments and what you feel like fits for you. So please keep in touch and let us know how things are going. Take care. Dear Trapped in the Cycle, we are together a lot, and we can't give you what you are yearning for in this life. 
practice mindful, patient self-care to rewire your brain. Let mistakes be your guide to freedom. On this new yet rough path, you can experience those relationships you crave, but only by setting free your shame and accepting your worth. We can't wait to see the beauty you create. Love, food. Do you have a complicated relationship with food and want to change? I want to help. Send your Dear Food letter to lovefoodpodcast at gmail.com. I hope to read about your experiences soon. Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is the Love Food series. Have you enjoyed the show, or would you like to give me feedback? I welcome your thoughts. Please give a review in iTunes and subscribe. This type of kindness helps the show continue. You can also tweet me at eatingpermitrd. Take care. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.